You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers' Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is a freelance writer, blogger, and author of the best-selling series The Mapmaker Chronicles. She has more than 20 years' professional writing experience. Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writer Centre at writercentre.com.au. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 161 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al, this week? Ah, well, it's a big week. It's a big week, Valerie, because, of course, the Mapmaker Chronicles, Beyond the Edge of the Map, is out this week, everybody. I know. It's the weirdest. I know. You know what? And that will probably be the only cheer I get all week. It's a really bizarre thing. What? Because I'm it just, won't be the only cheer you get all week. What are you well, talking about? Well, it sort of is though because, you know, you <gasps> the week before a book comes out is this very strange lull and then oh. it leads up to this, you know, thing and it's the day and it kind of, you know, you know it's out there and you know it's on shelves but nothing happens really except <laughs> – of course, and this is where, and this is where the, you know, the whole, you know, when I talk about, you know, having a community of people around you online and all that sort of stuff is so important because, you know, I can tweet today's the day, and so many people will be like, yay! Whereas yes. in real life, I'm wandering the streets with procrastinate and <laughs> it's like nothing happened. It's bizarre. Just, it's a just really have bizarre an thing. online party then. Who knows? I will. Who I'll just. I'll be cheering, <laughs> and there'll be stuff, and hopefully everyone will be excited. But it's very, very strange feeling. But anyway, what about you? What are you doing this week? What am I doing this week? I'm heading to Melbourne. Actually, yes. Oh. So I'll be in Melbourne. I've got a few things lined up, lined up some meetings, show, uh, and then I'm going to do a full day um, with a group of uh, uh, people who are writing their book on how to build their profile. So that should be really fun. So it's a little bit of a um, tight schedule mm-hmm. uh, and, then, and then I'll be back in Sydney. And What then- show are you going to? Um, well, I would tell you. Except, oh, but you'd have to kill me. No, except oh. that it's a. I'm taking someone, and it's a surprise. And oh. hopefully, they're not <laughs> listening to the podcast because okay. now they'll All know. Right. Don't tell us. You can so tell I'll us next tell week. You yeah. Next week. <laughs> next week. Oh, by the way, I did see um, a tweet this week that suggested that you need to write a book about oh. your creative dates. A journal oh, style yes, book, right. a memoir of creative dating or some such, oh, yes. which I think would be highly entertaining. But I don't know how you're going to make macrame into a 2,000 word <laughs> entertaining essay. You would be surprised. There are many things involved in doing those knots. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, there's some food for thought for you, anyways. That somebody yes. wants to read wants to read your journey, Valerie. All right. Well, in case in case there are any new listeners, Alison is not referring to me going on dates like as in with guys that are creative. Oh, uh, <laughs> just which so would probably clear. be even more entertaining. But whatever, which could be even more entertaining. Uh, Alison is referring to the fact that this year I've decided to really nurture my creativity, and every week I try to take myself out on a creative date, which of course is inspired by the artist's way and they call it the artist's date but I've just morphed it into the creative date and to do something creative whether that is a course or a class or uh, or or going to an art gallery or an exhibition or just appreciating some kind of amazing creative output of someone else and it's just done wonders for not only my creativity but my life so I am really enjoying it uh so what yeah did you it's do not last my, week? my dating what was your date last week oh last week what did I do last week um I know I did something I've just got a mental block as to exactly <laughs> what it was clearly it wasn't one of the top I know, 10 I remember <laughs> I um learnt Japanese book binding right Yes. And you forgot that? 
How do you forget I, that? Because I'm going on so many creative dates at the moment. And how was Japanese bookbinding for it you? It was so interesting. I loved it. And I made, you know, a book with beautiful end papers and, you know, like some beautiful printed end papers. And I learned how to actually sew the binding and it's it's actually very clever and systematic. And, um, yeah. It's so really are good. you making your own notebooks now? Well, I can. I did <gasps> last weekend. You should make one, Val, and we'll do it as a giveaway on the podcast. You can have a one-off Valerie notebook special. (laughs) That would be so awesome. I would put my hand up for that. If you're giving away, if you've got no, you know I love notebooks. I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll go for it because the the pretty part for me is actually the end papers. Um, So I will source some, I'll need to go source some pretty end papers because I don't have them lying around. I did this at what? a course. <laughs> and mm. uh, and some nice pa- um, cu- uh, board for the cover mm. um, and I will come back to you. But, yeah, it's really the, the actual binding process, the, it, which is a very specific way of sewing the book, um, for me it was just uh, that part was really beautiful, uh, just getting that exactly right. So I really enjoyed, yeah, learning about uh, Japanese bookbinding. Well, so that'll be a good page in the book. I look forward to it. Yes, there you go. But can I just tell you what I'm excited about? <laughs> okay, do, because, you know, I, I can't wait to hear. It's got absolutely nothing to do with writing and publishing, though. <laughs> okay. Is this going to be one of those footy game things or something? What is it? What are you no, excited so, about, Val? Okay. So um, my friend Louisa, she kindly, she's an interior designer and she kindly um, interior designed my home office. If you look at my home office right now, you would not believe that because it's quite a mess. Right. <laughs> uh, and she would be horrified. In fact, she's coming over tonight and she will be horrified. Uh, but one of the, but it, when it's not a mess, it's very, you know, beautiful because she designed it. And one of the things that she helped me design and acquire, and it's my one indulgence because, you know, I decided I spend so much time in my home office. I want it to, to be comfortable is she designed, she, there's this bespoke, I'm looking at it now, um, like, a day bed kind of thing so that I can, mm-hmm. you know, come away from my computer. I can sit there. I can read. We picked the fabric, this beautiful tealy turquoise color in this velvety kind of fabric. Um, and it's uh, designed in a really specific way with the little arms at the end. And it's just perfect. Okay. It's my, it's my mm-hmm. dream thing to sit on. Mm-hmm. So, Liz, if Liz is listening, hi, Liz, sent me this uh, link uh, to, you know, catch of the day. So this bespoke thing cost a small fortune, but that was, like I said, it's my one indulgence. Um, But she sent me this link to catch of the day. You know, catch of the day, it sends you like deals. It's like daily deals. Okay. And so cheaper stuff. And um, she found a pet bed like that was almost the exact replica of my bespoke <laughs> You're kidding. thing in the same colour, almost You're the same colour. So and you I'm have like, gone and bought yourself a dog couch, A little pet bed for, for Rex, my cat, so for that we can have matching sofas. Oh, my God. It arrived yesterday. Oh, my God. I can't tell you the joy that it is giving. Listen to you. Oh, my God is right. Listen to you. You bought a mini couch for your cat. So we can match. So you can match. This is like, this is, I don't know where this sits on the scale of Leona Edmiston, you know, scarves around the neck thing. Remember that, everyone? Let's all go back a few episodes to that. And now you've got to, oh, okay. You know what? I'm really happy that you're happy. That's all I've I have to say. I've taken so many photos. I'm going to take more too because, okay. oh, he's embraced it. He just he just lounges on it like it's his throne. And of course so he does make- because you bought him a throne. <laughs> Listen to yourself. <laughs> Uh, Valerie will put a photo in the show notes if you would like to have a look for yourself at this fabulous thing. So cute. Okay, I will. Anyway, I will stop. We want, yes. So sorry, thank you for indulging me in that, but I'm just really excited about it. Okay. Okay. So we want to give a big shout out to Kirsty Bedford who has left us a review 
on iTunes and has said invaluable podcast for writers. And she says, this has to be one of the best podcasts available for aspiring authors, informative, entertaining and motivational by two clearly talented women who know their stuff. What else do you need? Wow. Plus you get pet beds and pet scarves just thrown in for good measure. Wow, that's that's awesome. Thank you so much, Kirsty. You, you know, Kirstie. the pet bed hadn't made me so happy. Um, this has made me even happier, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to contain your joy for the rest of the podcast, but we I shall don't. try. I'm so excited. You don't understand. Um, so uh, if you do have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, shall we – I'll calm down now and shall we move – Move on to the world of writing and publishing this week. I think it's time. It's time. Well, we also actually want to give a shout out to Lauren Sams, who wrote a lovely post about the truth about writing is that almost nobody is successful in inverted commas. She doesn't quite mean that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But she gave a big, and we'll put the link in the show notes, which of course you can find at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au. And she gives a shout out to um, uh, to the platform building course because one of the tips that she gives is get a social media presence and for the love of dogs, use it. <laughs> if you don't know where to start, the Australian Writers' Centre has a great short online course that I found very helpful and she's referring to uh, Alison's course, How to Build Your Author Platform, which of course is a fantastic blueprint for any author or aspiring author to start building their author platform. Vital stuff and some great steps and tips in there. And of course, if you want to find out more about that, then check out writerscentre.com.au slash platform. Yeah. And look, I think that the course, I think that the post is actually worth reading because I think the most important thing that she says in it, there's a lot of stuff in there that I think that is, is worth reading because I think the reality of expectations are important when you're an author. I think it's really yeah. important to know that the love of what you're doing needs to be your driving force um, for most people. But mm. I also think that the point she makes is she's got uh, two books out now, Lauren, and the point is that she says, I know now that writing a book is only a small part of the work of an author. Very small. And that the selling of the books is actually, you know, one of the most difficult things. And we've yes. talked about this over and over again about the fact that, you know, discoverability is is one of the biggest issues facing authors, um, mm. about the fact that you, your book – I mean, it's like I just said, you know, your book goes out there, your book launches – my book's going to launch this week and it's not like someone's throwing a parade and, you know, <laughs> like that's – jeez, I wish that would happen one day. That would be so fun. Um, there's no parade. There's no nothing. The book goes out there and then you've still got all the hard work of making sure that people know about the book because if they don't know about the book, they can't buy the book. Um, and generating that sort of word of mouth that sells books, you know, it's part of your job and it's really, it's a quite important part of your job once the actual writing is done. The writing mm. obviously is the most important part of the job because you have to write a fantastic book. But once you've written that fantastic book, don't like give it the best possible chance that you can. And you, to do that, you actually have to tell people about it. You really do. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, you can have a look at the post in the show notes at soyouwantobearwriter.com.au. Now, I want to move on to um, – this is also – I'm very excited today because this is <laughs> just as exciting, almost as exciting as the pet bed for actually. Okay. Well, my absolute hero, hero, hero is Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is the lyricist, composer, and, well, I'm not sure composer, but certainly the brains, the creator behind the Tony Award-winning musical Hamilton, mm-hmm. who everyone in our office is obsessed with because he's such an amazing writer, he's such a great storyteller, and, uh, and a great performer as well. Um, I absolutely love Hamilton. And he does this thing on Spotify where he creates Spotify playlists so, for example, um, he has in the past created a Spotify playlist of the songs that inspired and influenced him when writing Hamilton, which is quite interesting, a lot of rap and stuff like that. Um, and there are some people who just 
love creating Spotify playlists like a guy mm-hmm. I know, Joe. He has three over 325,000 followers of his playlists. Seriously? I know. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't uh, even know you yeah. could follow playlists. That's yeah. fascinating. A thing. I can't believe it myself. That's what first introduced me to Spotify playlists when I'm like, how in the world does that happen? But it happens. So some people are just good curators. Anyway, Lin-Manuel Miranda has a new playlist and it's specifically for, it's called um, Write Your Way Out. And write your way out is a is a is an iconic line in the uh, musical Hamilton, and it refers to the fact that Hamilton is a very very good writer, and he he writes his way out of a certain situation. And so, um, the LA Times and many other places have reported on this playlist. But the LA Times has said if you're afflicted with writer's block. Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda doesn't want you throwing away your shot, which of course is another iconic line, Um, and he's made a Spotify playlist to help you put pen to paper. Now, he starts off with... um, he has he's included things uh various songs that have references to writing so one is happy birthday darling from the musical bright lights big city which of course is based on the jay mcinerney novel and um, some of the lyrics there are when you write my son make the choice find your voice look down deep in your heart paint word pictures if you can, paint the portrait of the artist as a young man. And there's a whole lot of other songs in there ranging from Fiona Apple to Johnny Mitchell. Um, There's one, you know, um, there's, there's lines like blank stares at blank pages. No easy way to say this. You mean well, but you make this hard on me. And um, I just, I just, Love it because there's stuff like um, Vampire Weekend's Oxford Comma, which is which <laughs> is a song that oh. refers to the Oxford Comma. Of course, there's um, Word Crimes by Weird Al Yankovic, which is the parody of you know Blurred Lines, <laughs> and uh, it, you know it has it has that classic song. It's got um, lyrics like syntax you're always mangling no x in espresso <laughs> your particles dangling <laughs> oh dear <laughs> so there's it's it's really interesting we'll put that link in the show notes but you know if you don't want to read it just go to spotify and look at lin manuel miranda's playlist called write your way out which you know i only just found out about um this playlist and i know what i will be listening to for the rest of the day all right sounds great i'll definitely have a listen have a listen for sure all right the next link i've got for you is from the right life now this is called how to format a book 10 tips your editor wants you to know and what this means is this is when you send your book you know like in a word doc or whatever when you're actually submitting your book to an editor or publisher or or whoever and it's got a bunch of tips there. We're not going to go through the whole, the whole 10. But what I'm seeing lately, because we get, we receive a lot of manuscripts. Mm. And this applies if you're sending a manuscript to a manuscript assessor, an agent, an editor. And, you know, you may as well, if you're sending it to readers, you may as well follow this convention as well. Because I am shocked at a couple of things, Al. Let shocked? You know whether Are you, you shocked? Sh- yeah, shocked. Okay, confounded. <laughs> Confounded. Are you also confounded? Absolutely Excellent. confounded. Tell me whether you see these things too. Okay, the, I'm ready. These, specifically these two things. Number one, so, you know, you're writing in your Word doc, right, or on your mm. Google doc or whatever. Let's just say it's a Word doc. Most people use Word. Um, the number of people who put returns at the end of every line, like mm-hmm. a typewriter. Mm. I don't see a lot of that, No. Oh, we're seeing it, I reckon, at least 10, 15% of really? what we see. Yeah, Is it like a new thing? No, I think it's an old thing. They haven't okay. learnt yet that it's not a typewriter. Right. You don't have to put returns at the end of every line. Wow, okay. It's like All a right. carriage return because, of course, if the editor wants to change the um, point size for whatever reason, make it bigger or make it smaller, then the entire book 
is mm. not formatted. Yeah. Um, that and also double spaces after full stops. Yes, that's an old thing. Yes, that's an old thing too. So I'm not seeing as much of that as I used to, but I, like I do, I mark a lot of feature articles, um, mm. obviously as part of my job with the Australian Writers' Centre's magazine and um, newspaper writing course. The thing that drives me crazy is the uh, single line spacing. Like if I open a document and it's all single line spaced and it's in 10-point type, I just want to close it. I don't even want to look at it because my eyes hurt just thinking about it. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, double line, at least one and a half, please. You, if you're sending your document to someone else, at least one and a half, if not two um, line spacing with a book format uh, double spaced. Um, yes. That's and 12 one thing. point, 12 point. 12 point type and choose yep. something that's readable. Like the other yes. thing is the, the, you know, the use of creative fonts is oh another thing my that God. really drives me crazy. Please just use Times or yes. Korea. I actually quite like Korea because of that lovely, you know, wide spaces in between the letters kind of vibe about it. But mm. t- just use Times. It's all we yeah. need. It's the most boring yeah. font well, in the known New universe. Roman. Times yeah. New Roman, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, it's very, very dull, but it's it's very readable and very, very easy readable. on the eye. And when you are reading a lot, you really need it to be easy on the eye. But no Definitely. fancy fonts. Save those no. for one-year-old birthday party invitations. Or don't be tempted to use the fancy fonts just on your chapter headings or your actual heading. You know, you might think, oh, I'm not using a fancy font in the actual body. I'm only using in my headings or my subheadings or whatever. No, don't use any fancy fonts at all ever. Mm, yeah. Ever. All right. <laughs> Let's move ever. on then. Two, um, so I saw this uh, um, post called How to Make Six Figures as a Freelance Writer and I actually didn't like any of the tips. <laughs> so I'm right. not actually going to put the link in the show notes but I thought okay. it was an interesting topic right? because I think there are a lot of listeners out there who may not be in the novel writing space but they're interested in freelance writing or they may be interested in freelance writing to supplement their novel writing activities. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you, there's more in the immediate gratification. You will get paid quicker as a freelance writer of content or feature articles or corporate writing or whatever um, than you will writing novels. So a lot of people do that as their bread and butter while they write their novels. So a couple of tips. That, so I'm not even going to mention the ones in this post, which I didn't think were particularly useful, but mm-hmm. I thought I would mention, say, my top tip and maybe you can think of your top tip because you have you are a successful oh, I just love it when you writer. throw these at me last minute. Okay. <laughs> I'll sit here quietly thinking about my top okay. tip, shall I? Okay, you think of your top tip. Now, my top tip is um, a couple of things. Well, they're related. Um, you can't take all of the tips in okay, case it's I'll my top tip as well. I'll do one. All right, all right I'll do one. Um, and that is to have clear targets. So it's mm-hmm. not just a, like financial targets. So not just a matter of um, thinking, oh, I just got to pitch and, you know, hope I make some money. You, you, you can't just hope. You need to actually have targets. So whether your target is $1,000 a week or $2,000 a week or three, whatever your target is, everyone's different because everyone can devote different amounts of time to their freelance writing. And if you have a financial target, but one that not just remains in your head, you actually need it on a spreadsheet where Mm -hmm. you can write down, well, how much have I invoiced this week and how much am I likely to invoice next week based on the work that I'm doing at the moment? And do I actually need to supplement that? Do I need to pitch more because I need to up that uh, up that amount so in order to reach my target or am I safe? And one of the most useful things um, my partner ever did for me, well, let's get, he's done lots of useful things. <laughs> 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 he does. He does love a good spreadsheet, and so he created Which is probably this. Why you're a match made in heaven, yeah. right? Yeah. He created this spreadsheet for me, which tracked that, and um, and it uh, so it, I could clearly see how far off my target I was, and um, I think I've mentioned it before. If I reached my target. Uh, a picture like of John Bon Jovi would come up if I <laughs> exceeded my target. A picture of my <laughs> Rexy would come up. There were different like levels. One was Paul Walker, one was John Bon Jovi, one was Rexy, who of course is at the top. So I'd know whether I had a Paul Walker week, who I love, he's done Fast and Furious, or a John Bon Jovi week or a, or a Rexy week. 
And that's um, hilarious. I think you should <laughs> trademark it, and then we should we should sell that as maybe everyone could just insert their own levels of, of whatever photo because I don't know that I'd work that hard for Rexy, but anyway. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's hilarious. I'd love it. It was just a fun way to get, you know, to play a game with myself every week to see what whether I'd got Paul Walker or Don Bon Jovi or whatever. So, um, yeah, definitely have targets and 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 track them. Don't just have them in your head. You've got to track them. That's the key part. So, okay, so do you to want to know what my top tip is? Top tip, go on. Um, my top tip to make six figures as a freelance writer would be to diversify. Um, mm. So to make sure that you're working across a couple of different types of freelance writing, because I think the thing that you need, particularly if you're going to to really make that make those weekly targets, as Val's talking about, um, you need short term, you know, quick turnaround jobs, and you need and people who will pay you quickly, because that's yes. the other thing is you you know you've got to always factor in the lag in certain industries for payment. Um, and, you know, magazines can be one of those, like you might be waiting six weeks for your payment. Um, so I think that what you need to be doing then is also looking at short-term work, like uh, some, you know, content writing or uh, copywriting for websites, that kind of work. Um, plus also I would always have on the go, if possible, some corporate work of some type because you, it, it tends to be regular, it tends to be quick turnarounds and it pays, generally well. speaking, quite quickly. So uh, if, if you're really serious about building your freelance writing into a, into a, you know, a, a six figure business, cause that's essentially what you're doing. Um, then you need to, you need to diversify. You cannot just do one thing. If you're just mm. trying to do one thing, it's probably, um, going to cause you some problems, I would say. Brilliant. That's yeah. Fantastic tip. Thank you. All right. Let's move on to the giveaway this week. I'm very excited about, I'm so, I'm, I'm so excited today. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just really, the levels <laughs> of excitement, I don't know if I can cope or keep up. I know. But anyway, you're, you're taking me with you. I'm loving it. So what's so, your next exciting thing, Val? <laughs> the wonderful Pamela Hart, who also writes as Pamela Freeman, uh, is, and who of course is our director of creative writing at the Australian Writers' Centre. Her latest book is out, A Letter from Italy. And the reason why she, she writes under a couple of names. So she originally started writing as Pamela Freeman and she's written oh, over 30 books under Pamela Freeman in um, a variety of genres for adult and, and children. But she, then she started writing historical fiction and uh, that started off with The War Bride and, sorry, The Soldier's Wife and The War Bride and now A Letter from Italy. So she writes historical fiction under Pamela Hart and um, as this this says it's a passionate and poignant love story set on the beautiful Italian coast by the best-selling author of The Soldier's Wife and The War Bride. So this is so exciting because her book is now out and we will be hearing from Pamela in a short interview in an upcoming episode to hear about the next step in her journey. But uh, if you would like to win a couple of copies of um, A Letter from Italy, then all you need to do is enter at writerscentre.com.au slash win. So go to writerscentre.com.au slash win and you have until the 3rd of April to enter that competition. But if you um, are listening to this podcast in the future, don't worry. If you go to that URL, there will be another competition for you to enter. So once again, writerscentre.com.au slash win. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. Are you ready for the word of the week, Al? Uh, well, given the levels of excitement that we've had already, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can cope with more, but yes, I'm ready. So, you know, oh, like my first exposure to this was when I was reading Asterix, you know, the Asterix books. Did you yes, read the Asterix I do. books? I when did, you were yes. yes. I love them so much. And um, 
I would go to the library. I reckon I borrowed, like I borrowed every Asterix books book that was ever there. Mm. And, um, uh, among other things and like incredibly funny story and uh, cute pictures, that was probably my first exposure to, you know, the little symbols that you write when you're swearing? Yes, I do. Yeah. I know them so, well. <laughs> like the at and the hash and the yes. dollar and the whatever. And I did sort of deduce that it was they were saying something cranky. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know certainly did not know at the time that there's a term for that type of that 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 kind of word that's just full of symbols do you know what it is no val please tell me <laughs> <laughs> i actually kind of do but i don't want to ruin your moment okay so <laughs> okay so please tell us cuz we are we are on the edge of our seats and we don't know <laughs> it's a grawlix that's uh, G-R-A-W-L-I-X, Grawlix. There you go. This refers Thank to you. the typographical symbols used to represent a profane word. Mm. It's such a good word, isn't it? It's yeah. a great word. It even sounds like asterisk. It does. <laughs> it could have been a character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, see if you can use some Grawlix in your tweets to us this week. Oh, Val, they're all going to be swearing at us. Yeah, uh, all right. Who is our writer in residence this week? Oh, this week we don't actually have a writer in residence, everyone. Oh. What we have, the, what I have corralled for you is the lesser spotted publisher in residence. Mm. Um, so this week we are speaking to Louise Thurtell, who is a publisher with Allen and Unwin. And it was Louise who actually instigated the f- very popular and very successful Friday pitch. Oh, good Allen on you, Louise. Yeah, good on you, Louise, in 2006. And so I had a very, very good chat to Louise about, um, you know, what she looks for in manuscripts, the kinds of trends that she's seeing, uh, mistakes that authors make, all of the things that you would ever want to ask a publisher, I have asked for you. So I hope you enjoy this. Louise Thurtell is the publisher for the Arena imprint at Allen and Unwin and has worked in publishing for more than 20 years. She is a former recipient of the Beatrice Davis Fellowship, allowing her to spend time in various US publishing houses and established the popular and successful Friday Pitch at Allen and Unwin in 2006. Louise publishes commercial fiction and non-fiction and her list of authors includes Fleur MacDonald, Carly Lane, Therese Creed and Nicole Hellymore. Welcome to the program, Louise, and thank you very much for your time. No worries. All right. So tell us a little bit about how you came to be a publisher because I think people think that publishers are like mythical creatures that just merely appear from nowhere, but obviously Mm. you must come from somewhere. Yeah. Well, look, everyone comes through different routes. Um, These days it is just much harder than what it was in my day. So for me, I... I did a science law degree at Sydney Uni, so I was not at all um, thinking that I'd go into publishing. And uh, halfway through, so I went overseas after I'd finished my science degree and, I don't know, just in the time that I was overseas for a year, I realised I didn't want to be either a lawyer or a scientist. (laughs) And so I... and. With the time to think about things, I and and it's sort of percolating in the back of my mind, I sort of thought about what it was my absolute favourite thing in the world, which was reading and, you know, how I could use that in a career. And so, you know, obviously publishing was one thing. So when I got back from uh, the UK, Well, I was all over the place, but I was in the UK last. So when I got back to Australia, I volunteered to work at literary agencies while I was finishing my uh, degree, the law degree, because I thought I wanted to just finish it. And I also got a a job in a bookshop and, you know, just continued to read enormously. So then... um, Much to my mother's horror, I finished my degree and was halfway through College of Law all the time trying to get a job in publishing. And two weeks before I finished College of Law and was ready to (laughs) start my, (laughs) I know, Mm. 
to start, uh, or, you know, I was fully qualified, uh, the a guy at what was then Collins, Angus and Robertson rang me and said I would, they'd give me a job as a trainee fiction editor, but they needed me urgently, so I had to make a decision whether I'd take the job pretty much on the spot. So, funnily enough, my <laughs> the tutor I had, the okay. tutor we were, we, we were doing property at the time just very quickly, and um, Cherokee Chikorowski, who ended up being New South Wales Premier, was my tutor, and I was talking to her about it, and she said, All, a lot of my legal friends just hate what they're doing. It's a good idea to make a decision now, and I did. Wow, okay. So I took that job. And from your mother's perspective, I can totally see like two weeks. I'm just going, oh, yeah, my no, head is hurting. No. But, and so you took the but job I knew and that I would. Yeah, I know. I knew I wouldn't. So I was very lucky. And just briefly, because it, I mean, I guess it uh, foreshadows what the whole route in is route into publishing is these days. When we advertise for a public publishing assistant, we will get almost all people with double degrees or further degrees, so masters, and most of them have interned in publishing or, you know, worked in a related career. Wow. So, so that's how difficult ridiculously it is qualified. Yeah. You know, it, it, back in the... We were, we were laughing at a... Before we started an interview, an interviewing process and saying none of us would get a job these days. <laughs> none of us, you know, we, we just wouldn't. Wow. Okay. Mm. That's a bit scary, really. All right. So mm. let's talk about the Friday pitch because it's a very successful or it's worked out very well for Alan and Unwin and it's basically mm. where people send you in one chapter on a Friday mm. um, and mm. you go through them and have a look. You know, tell us a little bit about how it works. Like what... What did what is the actual process of how it works? Okay, so uh, they send in. They're asked to send in both a synopsis and a chapter. Okay. So either on late on Friday afternoon, I, I, it, it used to be a publishing assistant went through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so initially it was me for many years, and then the company decided because it had been so successful, we'd make it our company-wide submission system so a publishing assistant took over the reading then um it was just falling falling behind so i now look at have a quick glance through really quick you know on a on a either friday afternoon or monday mm-hmm. and really uh, i tend not to i tend to just go straight to the chapter itself to see if the person can write or you know if the writing's strong and then if I like something, I'll go and have a look at the synopsis and see, you know, if it's something that I would probably be interested in, what, you know, I'm thinking about the market, um, and in both fiction and nonfiction. And then if, well, usually actually if I really love the writing, regardless of the synopsis, uh, I will ask for the manuscript to be sent in. Okay, and how many submissions would you average like on a Friday? How many average? How many? Oh, look, it's because I think because there are other submission systems, I probably get we probably get about forty a week, wow. possibly. Okay, a hell of a lot of them are nonfiction. Wow. Um, and the area that I'm looking for in nonfiction, some of the areas I'm looking for in nonfiction are you know Australian memoir, and I'm also really interested in popular science politics and, you know, just Australiana-type stories. Okay. And of the 40 that you get each week, how many would you follow up? How many would you actually ask for a submission? Look, you know, know, it it tends to sort of go in some sort of cycle because um, sometimes it'll be none and sometimes it'll be three. So, and sometimes it'll be one. So... You know, about a few weeks ago, I saw I, I really liked about two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I, um, an assistant is asked to follow them up. Okay, and what? So, as far as you know, like, uh, what makes you follow up for a full submission? Is it really just what grabs you on that first page, as far as the writing's concerned? No, I mean, if I like something something's first page, I'll read it till the end. Yeah, and and also. 
if it's something that's not right for me and because I do very commercial stuff and I think it might suit someone else, I then, you know, I'll forward it to that person and they, they'll have a look and, you know, get back to me and say, say, can you ask the publishing assistant to request the manuscript too? So, yeah, look, it, you can tell very quickly whether you enjoy a person's writing style. Okay. And what sort of, what types of works tend to do, like on average, tend to do best? Like in the, you know, in the sense of, is it very much about looking at what Alan and Unwin publishes and making sure that you're fit, like that whatever it is you're doing fits into that? I mean, is that what works best? Um, you know, you look, I used to publish fantasy and I published Sarah Douglas and we haven't had any luck with fantasy here at Alan Nunman and it doesn't feel like fantasy is doing that well, Australian fantasy is doing that well at all. But if I found a corker fantasy manuscript, I would be interested. Mm. I used to, at, when I was at HarperCollins and then Random House, I used to publish Peter Temple and probably crime is my favourite commercial genre. So... I'd be open to crime as well, but it's not selling that brilliantly, you know. And 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 commercial raw fiction has been so popular for so long, and there are well, there's uh, there are 45 different rural fiction writers uh, who have been published by trade publishers in Australia. I'd say about 20 of them are ongoingly active and it feels like there's still room for new entrants in that sort of area. Wow, okay. So who are mm. some of the authors that you've discovered through the Friday Pitch, you know, sort of system? Like who who's come out who's come out of the submissions pile, so to speak? So all my all my uh, rural fiction has come through that. So mm-hmm. Fleur, McDonald, Kelsey Nielsen, Nicole Hurley Moore, Carly Lane Funnily enough, um, I'm publishing next month a fantastic um, new commercial women's fiction. It's actually set in a regional town, but it's just straight commercial women's fiction called um, Girl in Between by a woman called Anna Daniels. And even though it was also shortlisted in the Vogel, she had also, she'd sent it to me, she'd sent it to us as a Friday pitch before she'd entered in the Vogel or even while it was being considered for the Vogel and my problem with it was that it was just too short uh, we'd requested it we'd requested the full manuscript through Friday Pitch anyway so after it was shortlisted in the Vogel uh, I decided that I would take it on and we and and try and increase the word length so we did get it up to from 36,000 to 80,000 mm-hmm. and it's very funny and yeah very funny very Australian uh, a bit larrikin, and it's you know typical commercial women's fiction romance and so forth. The other on the on the um, nonfiction side, I have taken on a fantastic book that's still selling travel. Sicily, it's not quite Tuscany, mm-hmm. and um, and also Daughter of the Territory by Jacqueline Hammer, which have, which we sold about fifteen thousand of in trade paperback, and also an Outback Life. So you know you can see the theme. It's it's Australian. It's mm-hmm. Australian Australian and rural. It is abso- even though I'm a country girl myself, and you know know the country well, know farm life and so on well. I am amazed by how much Australian Australians want to read about both the outback and and rural life. Okay, so one thing that stands out for me from that conversation beyond the outback and rural aspect of things is mm. the fact that you're willing to work. You will work closely with an author to to. Mm. the kind of book that's going to work, won't you? As far as if you see something in the work that you think is going to be um, special, then you mm. will work with an author to, to get it to where you think it should be. Absolutely, because really good writers are so rare. So, or, well, you know, I mean, it's subjective, really strong, but if you really like someone's writing style, you um, that is very, very rare. So if you see someone who you think has a great writing style, then you um, jump at it. Okay, terrific. All right, so what does a typical day at work look like for you? Because I'm imagining that trying to fit in reading 40 submissions a week is, is one thing, but then you've got a million other things to do as well. So what, what you know, are you starting work at 5 a.m.? What, what happens? 
No, no. Okay, so, and also, a lot of, actually, most of the publishers here don't have kids, so I'm at a bit of a disadvantage because I've got three kids, Mm -hmm. and, you know, really, I can't do as much reading at home as possibly someone without kids, but, um, so, typical day, typical day, today is a pretty typical day, I'm reading a, uh, on my Kindle, so what I do is, uh, is, if I get a new submission from an agent or whatever or an author direct who I've published before, I send it I send the manuscript to my Kindle, uh, which I've got on my I've got a Kindle app on my iPad. So at the moment I'm reading a second novel by an author who I've published before, really enjoying it. Um, I'll be checking in today just happens to be the day where I send all book scan information. So the weekly update on book scan. So I will have a quick look at that, look at trends, look how my books are going and so on. Um, so I'll be doing a lot of reading today, whereas on Tuesdays it is all media. Alan Alman tries to get all of its meetings out of the way on a Tuesday. So oh, nice. the, yeah, so we um in meetings most days on Tuesday and Monday, Friday afternoon Monday is probably half a day spent on Friday pitch because even with 40, 40 submissions, I can tell so quickly mm-hmm. whether... You know, it's worth either me pulling the manuscript in for for me or someone else, or you know whether it's just none of them are any good, okay. or none of them I I don't like any of them enough. Okay. So where do you think most authors go wrong with their submissions? Then, like, is it is it sending to the wrong place? Is it the manuscripts aren't quite ready? Is it like what what do you think is the uh, well because because. I uh, only, you know, I'm only sent a chapter, and you can tell in a chapter. It's essentially, maybe it's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for either really good raw writing style that I think will have a great story, or if in my dreams a manuscript arrives or a chapter arrives and the narrative voice is really distinctive and the reader has, you know, it, it, I just really want to keep on reading. So narrative voice is probably the most important for me mm. and not being too um, flowery and so on. So Daughter of the Territory, which is this book about a woman who grew up in the outback in, Northern, in the Northern Territory, even, you know, it was written by an 85-year-old woman mm. um, and it's about her and a, her family's, like her father went to uh, up to the Territory when he was young after he got back from the war so you know she just had a really distinctive strong lively um, writing style and so I called that in the same day so yeah and she'd written it was 130,000 words that she'd written freehand and got someone to type up and submit for her she still doesn't she does not use a computer Wow, okay. So I, I have to send her communications, and, and, you know, it's done so well, but I have to send her communications by um, letters. <laughs> oh, that, well, that would be a change Which, of pace for you. Yeah, yeah, but it's lovely, and she's a gorgeous old woman, so it's been great dealing with her. So are you looking at a submission, like when you get a full submission in, like when you request one, are you looking at that submission just based on one submission or are you looking at a manuscript and thinking, can I develop this author over time or is it just, the, um, can I publish this one book? Well, okay, so these days you don't get a second chance. Half, well, you rarely get a second chance. Mm. So it has to be that you think that that first book can be successful. Mm. Wow. Okay, so um, you've got to get that first one back out in the there. day. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, you had lots of opportunities. Well, at least two. Uh, not everyone had book scan. It was hard to verify figures of of someone. Uh, booksellers didn't have such. Well, this is when I started. Booksellers didn't have such good inventory systems, so they couldn't look up exactly how they'd done with a previous book. So uh, you know. But you know, on the other hand, some you sometimes are able to to increase an author's sales after a first book. It's just that it's really hard to sell it to sales and marketing that you want you want to do that book. You know that or a book by that author again. So are you taking into consideration an author's sort of platform or profile when you're deciding whether to publish the book? Is that is that part of it? Uh, well, not with Friday Pitch so much. 
uh, you know, we are, like with Amanda Keller, I, I published Amanda Keller. That obviously didn't come through Friday Pitch. Yes, I went to her manager and, you know, asked if Amanda would be interested in writing her memoir. And so you are thinking about the market with that yeah. and their, um, you know, their popularity and so forth. Look, some of the other publishers here who are younger are really across social media. I'm just a Facebook girl. <laughs> So they know Instagram back to front. They know uh, Twitter, you know, people with really good Twitter followings and so on. So, yeah, to some degree, when you are putting together a proposal to take to an acquisitions meeting, you certainly look up all the figures, all their social media figures and, you know, what sort of... And you're selling it on their existing platform, whether it be as a, you know newspaper writer, television star, and so on. So because as a publisher, you you get the, the, the manuscript and you love the manuscript, but then you actually have mm. to take it and sell it into an acquisitions meeting, don't you? It's almost yes. like you've got to go into bat for the manuscript yep. and convince everyone mm. else that this is a good a good option. Is that is that yep. sort of like – do you sort of get better at that as you go along as a publisher in the sense of this is what – this is why you should publish this book. I mean, it must be fairly. Well, you certainly get you certainly get to know. You know, you've got a good background on what sold well in the area. You've got a better knowledge of what sold well in the area and so forth. Yeah. I look, you do have to really sell it like, like very quickly, right. and yeah, you you do get better at knowing what's going to strike a chord. And is it a tough audience? Like, is it the toughest, toughest audience you have? A very tough audience. <laughs> a very tough audience. So we have the CEO, the managing director, I mean, the chair, my my boss, Tom Gilliatt, all the other publishers, the head of sales and marketing, the head uh, key accounts person, and, you know, the marketing sort of person. So... It is a tough audience. Yeah. So I guess one thing that authors need to be aware of then is that their their manuscript is is kind of competing for attention right from the start, isn't it? It's not just once it, it gets out into the market. It's actually getting it mm. into the market as well. Yeah, it is. is. So is, they get past their publisher and then, they have, then the publisher has to sell it enthusiastically and effectively to a sales and marketing um, department or to, you know, a pretty, pretty sceptical... <laughs> bunch of people who've seen it all yeah so you've got to you know you right from the start it is pitching it okay and is there an expectation that an author will work on sort of social media and platform and stuff after the manuscript is accepted like to help sell their own books is that an expectation these days yeah 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 we do have marketing have put together a um a book a little you know a, a document on what they should do, you know, whether they, which social media platforms they should use, how to do, how to how to set up, so how to set up a an author Facebook page, how to set up a profile on Goodreads because I find Goodreads quite um, effective. Mm, okay. People love going from, you know, what's this, what a book that's been recommended. Quite often, they'll go back to the. Uh, author's profile, so it's worth setting up a profile on Goodreads. Yeah, tw- uh, I mean, look, if you're not going to persist with a blog or a become being on Twitter or whatever, it's not worth, if you're not going to post regularly, it's not worth doing those things. But yes, it, it's good to have a, a Facebook profile, an Instagram, good Instagram following and so on. Yeah, okay. And do you still get excited about reading manuscripts and working on books, like given how many you've worked on over the years? I love it. Still love my job as much as I ever did. Uh, Totally, totally love Alan and Unwin. It's definitely the best of the publishers I've worked at. Very community-spirited and nice relationships here. 
So yeah, I totally love it. I've never, it's never got old. I still feel the same excitement when I read a manuscript I really love. Um, the one thing is I don't get to word it as much as I used to because there's much more of a focus on bringing in more books. Mm. So to me, there has never been, if you are a good writer, there has never been a better time to be trying to get published, well, to be honest, because everyone is looking. Well, that's exciting. Do you mm. attend a lot of conferences and festivals as a publisher? Like given you have three kids, I'd imagine that's fairly um, difficult. Uh, none of us, none of us, uh, apart from like the publishing director, Tom Gilliatt, goes to London Book Fair, Frankfurt Book Fair, some of the festivals, uh, not that many conferences. There's not a huge number of conferences in any case. Mm. Like, there's the bookseller mm. so on, ones and like the Leading Edge, a couple of publishers have just come back from Leading Edge where they've sort of presented authors or whatever. So, uh, no, I don't go hugely. I'll probably go to two festivals a year. I love the Sydney Festival. I think it's sort of overtaken every other Australian festival as the best in the game. Mm. Uh, or it has, you know, as of last year, I, I loved it more than ever. I love Byron Bay Festival, Melbourne's good. Or, you know, all of them are good. But, um, yeah, I always get to Sydney, but that's not really involving travelling. <laughs> so, yes, but I don't get to many conferences. I do, I'm asked to do a few you know, how to get published, mm. how to, uh, you know, feedback on the craft of writing and so, so on. I get asked, sometimes I'll get asked to go to the Northern Territory or whatever, uh, you know, or uh, into some part of Australia or, you know, present something in Sydney every now and again, are there, probably a couple of times a year. Do you have any advice for authors who might see you at such events or attend? Because you do sometimes do pitching sessions and I know I think I saw you at a Romance Writers Festival one year do do some pitching yeah do you go to those i I used to go i went um before i got sort of segued and sidetracked into children's writing i used to go to them but um yeah do you have any advice for authors who might um you know come up and talk to me like a person (laughs) yeah look i'm just a normal person and come and say hello and they're fine to pitch their book at me don't don't um i don't know just don't hassle me too much but by all means, come up and, and say hello and talk to me about what I'm looking for and so on. Don't slide manuscripts under the toilet door or anything like that? I've oh, look, stories. people can give me this. I would usually give someone my business card and tell them to send me a manuscript and so on. But, yep. um, you know, some people can be really rude and, and hassle you endlessly. So uh, avoid that. Okay. <laughs> And what are you seeing as um, sort of trends in commercial fiction at the moment? Are there any distinct, you know, upticks that we're seeing? Um, What I was saying about Australiana and Australian memoir is uh, popular. Clearly, you know, the Barefoot Barefoot Investor Mm -hmm. is one of the best-selling books of recent time, so I wonder whether that's just his blog following and, and the people who love his stuff and are interested in personal finance have bought that. Um, the Leon Moriarty's are doing well. Mm. So I'm looking for general commercial fiction and rural fiction still, and I'd like to find some really good historical fiction as well. Mm. Okay, well, there's some tips and I want, you. And I'd, write, I'd love to find a best-selling crime novel too. <laughs> oh, wouldn't we all? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to write a best-selling so, you crime know, novel. And popular... Popular science, I'm really interested in popular science, but as you know, it needs to be by someone who's very um, well known or very expert in the area. So, yeah, I'm sort of interested in Australian history and outback memoirs and celebrity memoirs, and I quite like travel. I wish I could find, I really would love to find a great crime novel. Okay. Are you listening, people out there? Louise is looking for a great crime novel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, let's finish up today with our usual uh, last question, which is what are your three top tips for aspiring authors? Okay. So read a lot, but don't like read a lot in the area that you're interested in, but don't just read for pleasure. Read for when you're reading observe the craft of how the person how the authors set up a great narrative voice uh how they have developed characters how whether the characters are likable because well for me i prefer books with likable characters 
um, you know, just look at every aspect of the craft, how they've moved their plot along, the structure, and so on. So that's my first thing. Read a lot and read it, read for the craft. Of, of, of good manuscripts, by the way, you know, go back to your favourite novels and look at why they are so good. So once you've written your manuscript, write, uh, revise and revise and revise. Not till you some some authors sort of revise until they it gets stale and they can't see the wood for the trees, really. Mm. And I completely understand that because sometimes when you're editing something, you can't you get to the point where you can't do any more. So revise manuscript. I think send it to a pitch system or you know if you've got a good um, in with a literary agent, literary agents are great as well, and all publishers. Even the ones that don't have pitch systems, don't they take agent agented manuscripts? And you know, there's some great literary agents in Australia. Mm. So well, they're my three bits of advice, and they are excellent bits of advice. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate the insight that you've given us into the publishing process, as I'm sure that our yep. listeners will. And if people are looking for the Friday pitch, it is at alanandunwin.com.au. Is that correct? Yeah. So, and the address is like, yeah, it's listed up there, and there's a children's special. uh, There's a separate children's address for children. Fantastic. And we will put the links in the show notes to both of those things so that you guys can find them easily. Um, But in Mm. the meantime, thank you so much, Louise, and best of luck with with the uh, with the next you know thing, the next big thing. Okay. (laughs) Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. That's such a helpful interview, Al. I just think that, you know, it's we should actually interview publishers a little bit more often or, so, you know, from time to time because they're such a key part in a writer's journey because without them, you know. Yeah, well, uh, if you want to be traditionally published, then, you, yes. then you're going to be dealing with someone like Louise. And, look, I think she said a few interesting things. One of the things that I think that um, – is probably key for our listeners is mm. is the fact that you know she's looking for the voice like she's looking for the writing and if she yeah. finds that if that resonates with her then you know as is was in the case of Anna Daniels she's willing to work with that author to mm. bring that book up to publishable standard and i think i think it's important that that authors realize that that's possible that's not to say that you don't send in the best possible manuscript that you can. Mm. Um, but I think it's worth noting that, you know, publishers are not devil, demon, you know, sort of nasty people. <laughs> they're, they're genuinely looking for people. They want to publish books. That's what they do. Um, and mm. they're genuinely looking for people that they can work with. So I think uh, I, th- I thought that that was, was probably going to be quite refreshing and, you know, reinforcing for, for our, um, our listeners out there. Yeah, wonderful. And some, you know, good ideas, uh, you know, in terms of um, what you need to know from a publisher's perspective. So, yeah, fantastic. All right. And um, I think also, by the way, you mentioned, uh, um, Louise mentioned, it just occurred to me, um, about the acquisitions meeting being such a key part in the uh, the writer's journey because it's not just then about the voice it's actually about no, availability it is and i look i think that that's the thing because i think that people think i've got it you know the the publisher has to love the book and the publisher mm. does have to love the book the person mm. who reads your story has to love your story because the person who reads your story and loves your story then has to take your story your manuscript to that acquisitions meeting, which, you know, as Louise said, is pretty much the toughest audience that your book is ever going to face in so Mm. many ways, because she then has to sell your book and you as an author to that acquisitions meeting. She has to convince marketing and the CEO and all of those people that yours is a book that they can put out there because you've got to remember that publishing is a business as we all know. And so mm. they have to be able to say that we that we can we can take a bet on this book and that this book is going to do well. And the fact that, you know, she talks about the fact that when she reads the the book, she's not necessarily looking at your at your, you know, your social media numbers. Um, other publishers are in the mm. in-house that she knows, but when she goes to that acquisitions meeting then that's when it becomes key because that's when she's when they are looking at whether or not you have a social media presence and of course if they take you on then you're going to get that handbook that says this is what we expect from you and if you don't have a Facebook page here's how to set one up and if you don't have a um, and as we talk about um, over and over again 
once you've signed that contract, it's almost too late. You've really got to have something in position, you know, for Fullerways to take to that acquisitions meeting for starters, but yeah. also so that you've got that audience there so that when you you sign that that contract, you can put that out there and say, this is coming. Here comes my book. And then people can go with you on the journey um, yes. and you can build your platform even further from there. So don't wait until you finish the manuscript, you know, start doing it yeah. now because when you finish the manuscript, and Louise is reading the manuscript and she's taking it to acquisitions, you want to be able, you want her to have something to sell into that acquisitions meeting on your behalf. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, uh, so for listeners, I know that we do bang on about it, that it is so important to start building your platform and your social media presence and such things um, before your book is even out. And I'm interested to know, so, you know, please do tweet us or ping us or email us um, podcast at writercenter.com.au. I'm interested to know your thoughts about whether you are convinced of this, like whether you actually um, feel you don't need to, uh, you know, promote yourself till your book is out because, um, there are a lot of people who do understand that and, and embrace the fact that that is what's required, but I do find some resistance, um, sometimes, and I'm interested mm, a lot. to hear There's a lot from, of resistance. Yeah. From those people as to why you don't think you need to do it, um, until your book is out. Uh, but of course, as we've mentioned before, Alison's fantastic course, how to build your author platform relates directly to all of those things. Check it out at writerscenter.com.au slash platform. Now, until we chat again, Al, what's happening in our world? You'll be busy in launch mode, right? Well, I'm in launch mode, which means I'll be walking the dog and contemplating my navel by the sounds of things, doesn't it? But no, (laughs) I'm actually heading up to, oh, this is quite exciting. I'm heading up to Sydney uh, towards Ah. the end of the week and I'm going to be doing some meetings. I'm going to be doing a live Facebook chat on Friday on the Hachette Facebook page. So if you would like to have lunch. Great. If you would like to have lunch with me on Friday on Facebook, um, I'll be doing that. So I'll I'll, um, I'll promote that via my social media as the week goes by once I have time and things like that. Will you be um, eating your lunch? I be, well, well, I did say because, you know, <laughs> I said, this is so cool, we're going to do this. And I'm like, you want me to eat on camera? Well, and they're like, no, I don't think we'll be doing that much eating because you'll be talking a lot, Al. I'm yeah. like, okay, because I'm so not doing the whole mouthful of food thing on camera. Oh God, that would be so ugly. Can you imagine? I know. Um, So we'll be doing that and some other filming. And, um, yeah, so I've got a few things going on, which is a bit fun, uh, but that's a bit later in the week. In the meantime, I'm just – I'm just doing my thing. And I'm still I'm still proofreading the Adaban cipher. So you know Oh wow. Just (laughs) talk about juggling. Well, it's a little bit crazy, but it's all good. Anyway, what about you? You're gonna be in Melbourne, yeah? Yes. And then after that I'm really looking forward to coming back and just not traveling for, you know, at least a month, which will be great. Um, so I can just look at my little Rexy on his on his new sofa and hang out with him. <laughs> okay. Yes, All right. There you go. Where do we find you online now? Uh, you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me at on Twitter at, at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T. You can tweet me your Grawlixes there. Yeah. And you will find me on Facebook and Instagram sharing photos of my lunch on Facebook mm-hmm. probably um, at Alison Tate Writer. Fantastic. And, and you? you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeawriter.com.au. And if you have a question that you would like us to answer on our mini-sode, then email us, podcast at writerscentre.com.au. All right, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.